I never cried harder oh my than God. when I had to do that. That's so horrible. when this happened yeah. and I read that, I was like, I know <laughs> oh, no. exactly how this child feels. Welcome to Winterfell and I Can't Get Up, the podcast that asks mom what she thinks about Game of Thrones. This is season one, episode number eight. I'm Candace Huber, the owner of Tubby and Coo's Mid-City Bookshop in New Orleans, and I've asked my mom, Gail, who has absolutely no knowledge of Game of Thrones, to read the series and record her reactions for all of you. Read along, listen along, and follow my mom's journey through A Song of Ice and Fire chapter by chapter as she discovers for the first time just how brutal it can be. When you read Game of Thrones with your mom, you win or you die laughing. In this episode, we cover Tyrion 3, Arya 2, and Daenerys 3 in A Game of Thrones. And now, Mom's Watch begins. Okay, so before we get started, I just wanted to mention something. Last time, we forgot about something that I thought was important, and so I just wanted to mention that Ned was thinking about how Jon Snow says that the wolf pups were sent by the gods to protect his children. And Ned thinks about how he killed Lady and wonders if he did the wrong thing. Yes. So I just thought that was important. Yes. Let's get into it because I think this segment, there's a lot going on. So we're going to start with Tyrion 3. So Tyrion is leaving the wall and the Lord Commander Mormont wants to send some good knights with him as far as Winterfell. And Tyrion requests that Jon Snow come with him, but Mormont is like, no, because Tyrion's like, maybe Jon wants to see his siblings and stuff. And Mormont's like, that's a bad idea. He's not going to be able to really see them. He's stuck at the wall. So he's like, no, it's best if Jon just stays away. Which is a little disappointing because it's like, oh, is he going to get to go? No, not so much. I know. Well, I still have hopes for that. So, cause, For him going back to Winterfell? Because mm-hmm. ah. Tyrion's not gone yet. And I just think that even if Tyrion leaves, I still think Jon's not stuck on that wall. Well, we'll talk about that as we go in this chapter. So... After that, Tyrion kind of knows that Mormont wants something from him during this whole conversation because Mormont is offering all this stuff and Tyrion's like, oh, he must want something. So Mormont says, yes, I do want something. I want you to tell your family, your dad, your sister, your brother, that the Night's Watch is in dire straits and really needs some good people sent to them because all they've been sending is like rapists and thieves and people who don't really know how to fight well and kind of just the unwanted people. And they really need some good fighters because Mormon's freaking out because he's been sending like his best people to go out ranging beyond the wall. And then he sends good people to go after those good people when they go missing. And then good people to go after those good people when they go missing. And he's kind of running out of people because they're just not coming back. And so he also tells Tyrion that White Walkers have been spotted and that people from farther north keep moving farther south. And so they must be running from something. And the Night's Watch really needs good fighters because the winter is probably going to be very long. And when the, quote, long night comes, the watch is all that stands between the wall and the realm. So he's like, please tell your family that they need to send some good people to the Night's Watch. 
And Tyrion's like, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely tell them. And he thinks like, I, and I will, like, I'm a man of my word. I will tell my family, but like, none of them's going to listen to me. They're not going to care about any of this, but I'll, I'll definitely tell them. Kind of, He doesn't say that out loud, but he's no. like, and then he leaves that meeting. Do you have anything to say about that whole conversation about Mormont kind of freaking out about everything? I don't think so. Okay. I, that I, part was pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. And then Tyrion kind of gets a hair up his butt when he leaves that meeting and wants to go look off the wall one last time. And so he goes up there to the top of the wall. And when he gets up there, he sees Jon Snow. And Tyrion asks Jon... If he has any messages that he wants delivered to Winterfell, he tells him that he's leaving and and says, hey, do you want me to deliver any messages to your family? And John says yes and gives him a few messages. And the one that I thought was the most interesting was that he tells Tyrion that he wants him to talk to Bran the way he talks to John and Tyrion is like, what? Like, what? What do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. And John is like, I want you to talk to Bran and tell Bran the, the same things that you told me. And Tyrion at first is like, I don't know, do, you know. And John is like, No, no, no. I want you to tell him. So Tyrion is like, All right, I'll tell Bran the stuff that you want me to tell him. You know, I'll deliver all the messages or whatever to his family at Winterfell. And then as Tyrion kind of stands there looking off the wall out into the darkness, he's like staring out there and he starts finding it not so difficult to believe in the Grumkins and the Snarks and the others. And, you know, it's like dark and ominous and it's just like a vast emptiness that's out there. And really at the end John says goodbye he thanks Tyrion they call each other friend they're like yeah we have a good relationship and John says my uncle is still out there past the wall and me and Ghost are gonna go find him we're gonna find Benjen and then Tyrion kind of thinks yeah and then who's gonna find you so it's nothing so much like happens there's a lot of conversation in this chapter but there's a very heavy ominous overtone right in this chapter so just a couple of things so there's a a quote that meister amen yeah when they're talking meister amen says that i thought was was pretty significant where they say he got such a great thirst for a small man you know somebody tells him because they're drinking and at the table before he goes to have this talk, I guess, with Mormon. And Meister Eamon says, oh, I think that Lord Tyrion is quite a large man. And he says, I think he is a giant come among us here at the end of the world. Yeah. And I thought that was a good quote because I'm thinking. And Tyrion mm-hmm. thinks in his head, oh, thank you. You know, yeah. he's like, oh, that's a compliment. Giant is not, is not <laughs> one of the things that comes to mind when people talk, to, talk about me. But, right. You know, thanks. Thanks for that. So I thought that was, this book is all about foreshadowing you know and everything so i just thought that was a very interesting quote and that he said that and then the other thing is i did say about mormon with the damn crow it's like what the hell what's the deal with the crow is this the same crow that bran saw is he like the all-seeing eye crow what's the deal with the crow so that was and he keeps croaking the whole time corn yeah corn corn or like (laughs) when they were going to fight with the forks i thought that was funny you know he's like oh let's have a duel and then the crow (laughs) duel 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 you know he's going crazy so anyway and one thing that i did not realize is that their winter 
chapters are like freaking 10 years long. Yeah. So no wonder they're all like, winter is coming. <laughs> it's like the light bulb finally went off for me about the winter. Yeah, it's is not coming. like a regular you know, world, it's right? Not, in no. this world, their seasons all last. So they've been in the long summer is what they call yeah. it because they've been in summer for years. So their seasons last a long time. And one thing that Mormon does say, the reason why he says it's going to be a long winter is because the summer's been so long. So, long, so right. because the summer's been so long, they know that the winter is going to be really long. Right. And, and so I'm like, oh God, no wonder. Like, I don't know that I'd make it through a 10 year winter. <laughs> I don't mind telling you, I can't stand the cold. So <laughs> not, not for <laughs> no, me. thank you. Anyway, so I did like how they become friends. I thought that was a, a nice little chapter and how it ended, I thought was very nice. So yeah, and you're yeah. right that Tyrion hasn't actually left, although he did tell John goodbye and all of that. He's not actually gone yet. So we'll see in the next Tyrion or John chapter what happens there. Mm-hmm. So moving on to Arya 2. So all of Ned's people are sitting at dinner at the beginning of this chapter. And Ned shows up late, as he's been doing a lot lately, because he's got a lot of duties and he's involved in all these things as Hand of the King. They start discussing the upcoming tournament that Ned really hates and doesn't want any part in, because as we learned the last time, they're spending all this money that they don't have on this tournament in his honor. But... As they're talking about it and they're like, oh, it's going to be great and blah, blah, blah. And Sansa is like, please, daddy, let us go. So he agrees to allow the girls to attend the tournament. And after just a few minutes, though, he kind of gets enough of it. And he doesn't even eat anything or whatever. He gets up and he leaves. And then Arya starts thinking, because this is told from her point of view. So Arya starts thinking about how much she loved Winterfell and the meals that they used to have there. And how her father was really adamant about eating with the men. And he always allowed like a commoner to sit at his table and he would listen to all of their stories and all of that stuff. And it was like an honor, but he would invite someone different every single time. So she got to hear all these cool stories from all of these people and she really loved listening to them and listening to their stories. But now she's found in King's Landing that she like hates all of them and she doesn't want to listen to their stories anymore because she feels like all of these people are fake bullshit. Because when the Hound brought Micah back and killed Micah, Mm -hmm. none of you assholes said anything, Mm -hmm. even though you talk about honor and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. None of you stood up for him. None of you said anything when the Hound came back with that. Not even my dad, you know? She's like, my dad didn't even do anything when that happened. And she's super upset about it. So yeah, and she gets sick and she runs out. You know, yeah, she, she like gets just up, leaves like, without permission once again. Well, she asks to be excused, and, and then the stuff is like no, and then she's, <laughs> she's like, like you. <laughs> I'm going anyway. Yep, as as she wants to do. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, she runs away because she starts getting upset thinking about all of that and how nobody really helped Micah, like stood up for Micah. And so then she kind of runs up to her room and she takes out Needle, her mm-hmm. sword that John gave her. And she keeps thinking about how it's her fault that Micah is dead. She blames herself for it. And and what I thought was really cute is that she's like poking the sword at the air and she's like <laughs> fake fighting with herself. Yeah. But she just keeps blaming herself like over and over. It's my fault. It's my fault. It's right. my fault. And she really misses her brothers as well. That's another thing that comes up is she's like, I really miss all my brothers. The only person she's got is Sansa and Sansa hates her. And she doesn't really hate Sansa, but she knows Sansa hates her. So... Yeah, it was sad. I felt bad for our poor little thing. And then she starts crying. Yeah. And then the stupid scepter comes banging on the door. <laughs> Open this door this minute. 
<laughs> I want to slap her. I tell you, I, I don't like her, you know, when she's fussing at her and telling her, you know. She's kind of just trying to do her job, I guess. But I she's guess. But like she's an old bitty nun, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. She's just... Anyway, and so she just wants to make a plan to run away and go back to Winterfell because it's so much better in Winterfell. And then her dad comes knocking <laughs> at the door. like Because there's like a couple people that <laughs> knock at the door first. Yeah, and she's like, go away. Go away. And, and then, then her dad comes. Yep. And then I love, 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 love what happens next. Like between her and her dad, they have such a little moment, you know, yeah. a little bonding moment. Yeah. Their little exchange that they have there. And well, how- when he comes in... She still has needle in her hand. Yeah. And he's like, what the hell is that? Like, where did you get get that that from? from? And she won't betray John. She's like, I'm not going to tell him I got it from John because John told me not to tell anybody. And so not even to her dad. And then Ned's basically like, I guess it doesn't matter where you got it from. Yeah. And she's like, I don't want to be a lady. (laughs) Well, because she starts talking. Ned tells her that, you know, if she's going to hate people, she needs to hate the right people. And not the people that are on her side. Talking about the Septa and Sansa. Don't hate your siblings and the people who are trying to take care of you. Make sure you hate the right people. And the Septa, you know, your mom and I just have asked the Septa to make you into a lady and do her job. And that's when she's like, I don't want to be a lady. Well, and he says that she's got the wolf blood in her, just like his sister had in her. And then she's sort of like taken aback. And she's like, wait, you think I'm like... Leanna. Leanna, thank you. You think I'm like her? And he's like, yes. And she's like, but she was beautiful. And he's like, yes. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah, what about it? You know, like, like you're never be- look at her. Yes, because Sansa is the beautiful one and Sansa is the, the perfect one. And she's like the stupid little sister, which I totally understand <laughs> since I'm the baby sister. Yeah. Which you would never understand because you are I'm the not, big sister. I'm the big sister. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> anyway, so he tells her that and then she's kind of like, taken aback and everything but then she realizes i don't want to be a lady i i want to fight and i want to be who i am Mm -hmm. you know i don't want to like sewing and stuff that's dumb and then i don't know she gets upset and she just she tells him that she feels like she was responsible he's like oh you you weren't responsible for micah's death and you didn't do any of that and then i thought it was funny how he's like this this sword was built in my own under my own rule and (laughs) And i didn't even know i don't even know what's going on in my own place i should know what's going on i thought that was kind of funny too and then she she also gets upset because she's like, Joffrey lied about everything and Sansa lied and she didn't say anything either. And then Ned's like, I mean, we all lie for various reasons sometimes. And that's when he's like, is there something you want to tell me about Nymeria? Nymeria. <laughs> you know, and Arya's like, oh. Uh-huh. And so... This was heartbreaking to me because we learn that Jory, who is one of Ned's people, and Arya had to bring Nymeria, like, out to the woods, and Arya had to throw rocks at her to get her to go away because she kept trying to follow them back, and, and Arya was like, no, and yelling at her and throwing rocks, and I was just like, oh, I can't. Uh, and let I me just tell feel. you, that brought up a very bad memory for me. Oh, no. From when I was a kid. Oh, no. So that was very difficult because mm. we had a duck. I'm not kidding. We had a duck. A when, duck? Yes. 
when I was a little girl, about the same age as Aria, we had a duck and my mom wouldn't let us keep the duck. My sister had gotten it for her little preschool class. Anyway, my mama wouldn't let us keep the duck and I had been feeding the duck and letting it swim in the tub and, Aww. you know, it was so cute. We, it, we taught it tricks and I'm not kidding. Like it would jump up and eat lettuce and everything. Well, my mom said, you can't keep it. You and Peggy, my sister Peggy, y'all have to go bring the duck to the park and let it go. Oh, my goodness. And I'm like, what? And she's like, yep, y'all take it. Because Peggy's the one that got it. Y'all take it. Y'all go bring this thing back to the, you know, go bring it to the park. It should be with other dogs. Well, it wasn't raised with other dogs. It was raised with us. It imprinted on me. So I felt like a criminal. I brought it out. We brought it out there. We put it in the water. We walked and it ran after us. And then we had to go put it back and it kept (gasps) running after us. And we had to like keep like pushing at it and throwing it and like, like not throwing it, but like throwing things at it. Like you're saying, like to make it think that we were mean and hateful. And the last time I saw it, it was just like looking at me like, I cannot believe you did this. I never cried hard than when I had to do that. So when this happened and I read that, I was like i know exactly how this child feels you know i was like oh my god that's horrible so and then she's like but i did the right thing right they would have killed her you know and that is like yes you did the right thing right and she said and all we were doing i just wanted to learn how to use muscle word you know and michael was just trying to help me to practice and and then joffrey lied and all of this came up and now it was all my fault but i did the right thing and he was like yes you did so anyway and then he does tell her that it's time for her to grow up and they do have this moment and then it even says, like, Arya loved her dad more in that moment than she's, like, ever loved him or something to that effect. He does let her keep Needle at the end because he's like, if I take it away, I'm just going to find a morning star under your pillow tomorrow. So you're going to find a weapon regardless. So yeah. he lets her, he does let her keep Needle. Yeah. And he does tell her about wolves. He said, let me tell you something about wolves. When the snows fall and the white winds blow, the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. Yeah. Yeah, so that's when he's telling her don't hate, time, don't hate like the hate the people, right people, right? Yeah, don't hate the wrong so, people. So yeah, so anyway, we have to protect each other in the winter and all of that good stuff. So yeah, that was important. Yeah, hate those. So I thought that was good, and so, and that's what cracked me up is that he's like, well, if I take needle away, I'll just find a morning star, right? So I'm gonna let you keep it. And, and so then, after all that, three days later, after this conversation, Ned's steward sends Arya off to like the small hall, and so she gets there. And she meets this like mysterious man from Bravos who has a weird accent. You're like, who? She's like, who I is love this? Him <laughs> and his name is Sirio Farrell, mm-hmm. is how you say that. Okay. And he's gonna teach her how to sword fight. He's gonna be like her master and teach her how to sword fight. And the, at the end of this chapter, they are gonna start their lessons. He kind of goes through one small thing, lets her poke at the air or whatever. And then he's like, all right, now we're gonna start this. And yeah. so that's pretty exciting at the end. I thought. Like, that was ooh. awesome that Ned arranged that for her, you know, yeah. that he understands his daughter enough to go, you know what, it's okay. Then if she's going to do this, she's going to do it under my watch. Yeah. And yeah, Circe et al. Et al. <laughs> <laughs> Better watch their backs and their butts because this girl is learning how to wield something bigger than a needle, I promise. <laughs> and she's coming after their asses. And I cannot <laughs> wait. 
until she becomes that big warrior woman that I'm waiting for. I know, she I know you've be. been saying that, but, but you got a long way to go. She is, but she's, <laughs> she's going after them. She I absolutely, <laughs> positively know she is going after them. Yeah, she's obviously not happy with them after oh, what no. they did to Micah. No, no. After what they did to Micah and making her run her wolf off and killing Lady. Yeah, and all of that. Yeah. And she ain't forgetting. She's going to carry that with her <laughs> until the day she can come after them. <laughs> And I'm just waiting for her. <laughs> well, that was really exciting. I'm excited to have the introduction of Sirio, and I'm excited to see where her sword lessons go. He was pretty cool, too, you know. I mean, he's strict. He's you very can cool. see, you know, but I know he's going to be a great teacher for her. I liked him. Yep. So... Moving on to Daenerys 3, because there was a lot going on. This had the most going on out of any of the chapters. So the Dothraki are now traveling back to Vase Dothrak from Pentos, because they had all gone to Pentos for the wedding and everything. Right. So now they're going back to basically what the Dothraki's like homeland, which is Vase Dothrak, and they're crossing what they call the Dothraki Sea, which is a sea of grass. It's just a lot of different right. grasses as far as the eye right. can see. Okay, so I'm a little slow on uptake here, okay. I know, but there's two Mormons. There are two Mormons. And I just realized this at the beginning of this chapter. Yes. Because we just left a Mormon on the wall with Tyrion. He's the commander of the Night's Watch. Right. But yet Daenerys is riding with a Mormon. Correct. And I didn't realize that earlier. It was already mentioned. Okay. Because he, it it was mentioned with Viserys. Because Mormon. I was about to say, I think when Jorah is introduced, they tell you that he is Lord Mormon's son. He's the commander. And that's not a spoiler. No, no, no. So the commander commander of the Night's Watch. Watch. Jorah Jorah is is his his son. son. Okay. I didn't realize that. I I was thinking maybe they were brothers or something. Is the son of the commander of the Night's Watch. Yep. That's why I have that so that I want to, I wanted to make sure that I understood that. So, okay. So Jorah is the guy on the wall's son. Correct. Okay. And they did tell you about him earlier. And like I said, I was just a little slow on the uptake well, here. Well, because, because they sort of just mentioned him in passing. He wasn't a big deal until No, recently. but they said how he pledged his oath or whatever to Viserys. Yeah. Because, and then all of that, they talk about more about that in this chapter. But anyway, yeah. so I just wanted to make sure. Because I kept thinking they were brothers, but they're father and son. Father okay. and son. Yep. Thank you. So Jorah, so Lord Commander Mormont on the wall is like super old. Yes. And Jorah isn't young, but he's not old either. But okay. he's like way older than Daenerys. I think oh, he's supposed yeah, yeah. to be like Ned's age. Like I think he's supposed to be like in his 30s or something, yeah. which is real old compared to, you know, Daenerys who's 14. Yes. So <laughs> yes. So that's what I think. Like Jorah's not old, but then like, you know, Lord Commander, and I think super old. To him he's probably, you know, in his stuff. 50s. But, but in yeah. this, it's like, that's what... The yeah, old people. Old people. Right. Okay. Thank you so, for straightening that out. Yeah, then. no problem. And so Danny is like super tired of people at this point. And she tells Jorah that she's going to go off by herself and that she commands that no one follow her. And so he's like, all right. And then she rides off into the tall grasses and she starts thinking about the journey so far and how at the beginning she was super miserable. She hated everything. It was hard to ride. She hurt all the time. She had sores on her butt. She was being visited by Khal Drogo every night and it was hurting because she had ridden all day and had all these sores and then she had to go through that every night. And she was like ready to kill herself. And it even says like i, I would she was, was going to kill myself to get herself, out of this but then 
But then what? She has a dream. She does have a dream. <laughs> and the black dragon comes to the, in the dream again. Yep. But this time, Viserys is not in the dream. No. And I was like, ooh, And the dragon douses her with fire mm-hmm. in the dream. Like cleanses her. And she feels cleansed. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And it even says, like, she could feel her skin and everything burning off, but it didn't hurt. Mm-hmm. She just, she didn't right. feel it. And there was no pain. She just felt like it was cleansing fire. And then when she woke up, she felt feels a lot better mm-hmm. and she also noticed that one of her dragon eggs matches the dragon in her dream it's black and scarlet just mm-hmm. like the dragon from her dream and she's like hmm that's weird after all this so danny has ridden off into the grass as she's thinking about all of this and of course soon enough stupid viscera shows up and starts screaming at her because like how dare she give him orders to stay back he is the king of the seven kingdoms and she can't tell him what to do and blah 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 and he's just yelling and screaming mm-hmm. at her and then all of a sudden a whip cracks and wraps <laughs> around his neck and and it's Jogo, who is one of Khal Drogo's blood riders. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Ready what the camp? hell, dude? Yeah. And he asks, at this point, a bunch of people from the traveling party, like Jorah and some of her handmaids and all these people are there. And Jogo asks if she wants him to kill Viserys. And she's like, no, don't hurt him. They let him go. And then she has like an aha, light bulb, bing, revelation moment and realizes how freaking pitiful he is. Mm-hmm. And she's like, he is pitiful he Mm -hmm. has always been pitiful Mm -hmm. why was i ever afraid of him i am not afraid of him anymore and so she tells them to take his horse away and make him walk back with the party because to the dothraki a man who doesn't ride isn't a man at all and it's like the lowest of the low and it's like the worst way to shame someone in the dothraki Mm-hmm. So all of that was very satisfying. Because- yes, it was very satisfying. <laughs> and let me just have a side note here about the descriptions of the land and everything. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. You know, like when they're going through the stuff and all of that. It's just, it's so pretty. Everything's so pretty there where they are with the Dothraki. So I don't know. She's like in a beautiful place and now she's coming into her own and she's realizing some things and, and Viserys realizes who really is the boss and it's not him and and she you know. feels like she belongs there like right. when she goes off and viscerous finds her she's like got her shoes off she's like all up in the grass she's in her the dothraki like outfit and that's kind of when she realizes like he's over here in his chain mail and his whatever his silks you know and she's like i belong here he right. does not right that's kind of a cool moment for her because right. she's kind of like comes into herself a little bit and is like this is okay cool right. i know i belong here and she and jora talk about how the people don't really care who's that's the first time they talk about the game of thrones and how the people don't really care who their their high lords do as long as they are nice to them which they never are really you know they don't do what's best for their people they only do what's best for themselves and poor daenerys is kind of like wait i don't know if i believe that and she's trying to process all of that and then she realizes he's right you know because at first what's what i thought was really funny about how this starts is that viscerous tells jorah after they all show up and he's got this thing around his neck they let him go he tells jorah like hurt danny kill the dothraki like what are you doing and Jorah's like nah bro 
I'm going to do what Daenerys says. And then as they ride away, Daenerys kind of starts worrying that she has awakened the dragon. And Jorah is like, LOL, your brother isn't a dragon. He's like less than the shadow of a snake is what he says. And then Danny's sort of shocked because she's like, I mean, you swore your sword to my brother and you're saying that he like sucks basically. Like, what is that about? And Jorah is basically like, let's be real. Viserys would make a terrible king. We all know it. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of just saying things out loud and Daenerys is like whoa Mm. and then she's like yeah you're probably right you know (laughs) like he wouldn't be a good king and then yeah that's when they talk about how the people don't really care and so then yes she's processing that as well because her whole life she's been told that Viserys is the rightful king and Mm -hmm. that the people have been waiting for him Mm -hmm. and so the fact that the people don't care is like wait a minute minute. what like her whole life she's been conditioned to think that they've been waiting for this Targaryen and Jorah's like no they don't give a shit they just want to live their lives right and mm-hmm. you know whoever the kings always make it really difficult for the people to just live their lives and she realizes that she's kind of always known that Viserys would never, never take back mm-hmm. the seven kingdoms mm-hmm. because he's too weak and too broke and he just she's like Viserys is never gonna take back the throne right and when they get back that's when she realizes the eggs are warm well they, they mention it earlier she they do because she touches it and she then she's like whoa and she pulls her hand back because it's like I think that's warm yeah and then when she goes back into her tent, then she sees that red light. It's super hot. And yeah. it reaches out towards her and then it touches the dragon's eggs. And then she feels that black egg and it's warm. And she's like, oh, it must be from the it sun. It must just be from the sun, you know, because all the dragons are dead. Yeah, right. And she keeps saying, and they're stone. And like they're stone. Yeah. Said, they're stone. Yeah. So like, and all the dragons weird. are dead. So that can't be right. That can't be real. But buddy, that thing's coming. That thing's going to crack open pretty soon i think and it's interesting when she's getting a bath from her handmaids and they're all kind of like biddies right they're all like talking you know and they're all talking about all the different stories about where they think dragons came from and it's really interesting to just kind of see all their different points of view right and how the one that she seems to be taken with is how they come from the moon which i thought also that that was the coolest story yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes and then that night cal drogo comes to her as he always does no before that she asks the servant to have dinner just alone with her she does yes and this is the girl that is i don't know sexually promiscuous let's say she's the one that's like the prostitute and all that stuff she is yep and so i at first i wasn't sure i was like what the heck why she's asking her to have dinner with her well then you find out why (laughs) (laughs) well kyle drogo another moment, right (laughs) because she's ready for him when he comes this time yeah. and she takes him outside because as we learn to the dothraki all things of importance in a man's life must be done beneath the open sky and so daenerys is like we're gonna go outside because this is important and so she wants Khal drogo to view it as important like you're not just gonna come in here and use me every night right you're gonna view me as something important and i think that's also important of her this whole chapter really of her coming into herself mm-hmm. and realizing that she is important and right. that she is somebody that matters especially to the dothraki and she is someone that belongs there that her being like we're gonna go under the open sky because 
I am important and we're going to get naked in front of all these people and we're going to do it with all these people watching because mm-hmm. there's no secrets. She <laughs> says like there's people standing around yeah. like whatever. And the other thing is that normally he takes her from behind. They, right. they talk about that. Right. And this time she's like, no, oh, you're no. going to look at me. Yeah. And I just think all of that is like her reclaiming her power. Right. right. She's like, I'm important. I'm taking this back. You know, right. I'm going to be strong now. And that right. was really awesome. But she also, I think had the idea like she wanted to know what to do and what not to do that's why she yeah. had dinner with that girl because yeah. she was like okay you need to teach, me. teach me some stuff yeah. yeah so that I know what to do and what not to do so that I can make sure well what you end up finding out is then she gets pregnant yeah so but I think that's part of all of that too I think that's something that she wanted as well and I keep thinking she's 14 yeah that's what kept going through my head if my 14 year old daughter did all of that <laughs> I would die. Well, you know, it's a different kind of society Um, and stuff. I know, but but still. Anyway, yeah, so I thought it was great that she sees herself as important, that she is making Drogo see her as somebody important to him. Yeah. At the end of that, it was like, oh man, she's reclaimed her power. I was like, Mm -hmm. yes, Khaleesi! (laughs) (laughs) She even says at one point, somebody, I think Jorah calls her princess, and she's like, no, I'm Khaleesi. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh Oh. yes, she is Khaleesi. She's not a princess. But you know what? I like her. She has a strength. She has a a character that at first I kind of really felt sorry for her. Kind of felt bad. And I think she felt sort of like a slave. But now in this chapter, she's like, oh, hell no. I ain't nobody's slave. I ain't nobody's plaything to just use up and throw on a side. Oh, no. I'm not going to be treated like that. She stood up for herself. And I thought that was great. It was very satisfying. That chapter was a good one. Yes. And... No one has died in this entire three-chapter segment. So, to help a mother out... The only person we met in this segment that's new is Cereal Pharrell, and everyone is still scattered at the end of this segment. So Robert, all the Lannisters, except for Tyrion, the Hound, Barristan Selmy, who is the captain of the Kingsguard, Ilan Payne, who is the executioner, Ned, Sansa, Arya, Renly, Varys, Littlefinger, and Maester Pycelle are all in King's Landing. John, Sir Alistair Thorne, Mormont, and Maester Aemon are at the wall. Tyrion is at the wall, but he's getting ready to leave the wall. Daenerys, Viserys, Jorah Mormont, Khal Drogo, and all the Dothraki are like in the middle of the Dothraki Sea, journeying back to Vaes Dothrak. Catelyn and Sir Roderick are presumably still on their way back to Winterfell. We haven't really revisited them yet since the last time. The same with Bran, Rob, Rickon, Hal's Mullen, Theon Greyjoy, Maester Lewin, all those folks are presumably still at Winterfell. Stannis Baratheon, who we haven't actually I think met yet but he is one of the brothers is over at Dragonstone which is Daenerys's birthplace and Stannis is there now holding that down for Robert and then Benjen Stark has gone on a ranging mission behind the wall and is still missing so the death toll for all of this is zero and we have now gone 77 pages with no deaths I think they're still really building a lot of stuff up but we're kind of starting to see some stuff come together with some of the characters 
And that's our show. Listen next time as we discuss Brand 4, Ned 5, and John 4. You can catch us every Friday on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tubbyandcoos.com. If you like our show, please consider leaving a review or rating wherever you listen to this podcast. And, you know, when you're sitting around talking to your friends about Game of Thrones, mention that there's this great podcast that they should listen to. You can find a recap of this week's podcast at tubbyandcoos.com slash podcast. You can also follow the bookstore on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Tubby and Coos. To keep up with all of our work, hit us up and let us know what you think as you read or listen along. We'd love to hear from you, but please, no spoilers. Mom has no idea what's coming and we'd like to keep it that way. I'm Candace Huber. And I'm the mom. And now Mom's Watch has ended.